The following audio is from First Baptist Pelham in Pelham, Alabama. More information about First Baptist Pelham is available at fbcpelham.org.
Thank you, Paula. That was, that was beautiful, and I appreciate you asking me to do that. I hope it was a blessing to you. Uh, and it fit the, the text for today because the title of the message is Come Before Winter. You know, many years ago, uh, many years ago now, I was a student at Sanford University. And uh, one day they announced that John Bob Riddle was coming to Ministerial Association to preach to the preacher boys. And I was so excited because I'd always heard so much about John Bob Riddle. I'd never heard him preach. And so I got there early and uh, got a seat on the front row. And John Bob Riddle came in. And uh, some of you remember Dr. Riddle. He was a dear, dear brother. He kind of talked out of one side of his mouth like this. That was just the way he did it. And uh, I don't do that to make fun of him. That's the way he did it. I loved John Bob Riddle forgot more about the Bible than I'll ever know. And I was sitting on the front row, and I felt like uh, I was Timothy listening to Paul. And I was excited about hearing him preach. You know what he did? He came in and he said, well, I've decided I'm not going to preach to you today. I've decided I'm going to talk to you about the most important thing that you boys need to do. And he said, the most important thing you boys need to do is get some books. If you come to my library, you will see that I took him very seriously about getting books. In fact, uh, somebody has asked me, what's the most daunting task facing you as you get ready for retirement? Uh, Without equivocation, it's cleaning out my office. I mean, I've been here 35 years. Uh, We may find Jimmy Hoffa in my office. I'm not really sure. He may be under a pile of books somewhere. But uh, I never realized when I heard, and I was kind of disappointed that day because I really wanted to hear him preach, but yet I realized he was right, and I've been blessed, and Uh, Many of the books that I have in my library were given to me by preachers. Some of you have preacher daddies that died and and left their libraries to me, and I'm so thankful for that. But uh, years later, I had John Bob come and teach Bible studies for us and preach for us. And uh, He became, he was a hero when I was a preacher boy and a role model and a mentor. And then he became a beloved colleague, and then I had the joy of being his pastor. And one of the greatest privileges of my life was I was asked by Dr. Charles Carter to conduct his funeral. And uh, when I talked to John Bob, he said, you know, Mike, you ought to think about preaching a message called Come Before Winter. And so he told me the background of it. In fact, I had him come out and preach it. And then I decided I'd take a crack at it. And after I preached it the first Sunday, I ever preached Come Before Winter. So many of our people came up to me and they said, you need to preach that every year. We need to hear that. And so I have been doing that now for many, many years. I'm not the first one to do it. Uh, John Bob Riddle wasn't the first one to do it. The first one that I know of was a Presbyterian minister named Clarence E. McCartney, who was pastor of the First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he preached Come Before Winter almost 100 years ago. It was either preached first in 1916 or 1917. And so here we are in 2013, And so it's been nearly a hundred years since Clarence McCartney began preaching this message. But it was written hundreds of years before that. And so take your copy of God's Word and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
And when you find 2 Timothy chapter 4, stand with me as we show our respect for God's word as we read from the word of the living God. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anisiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And these are the final words of the Apostle Paul. As far as we know, Paul never wrote another epistle after 2 Timothy. Uh, This happened sometime in the fall of around 64 AD. Paul was in the Mamertine prison in Rome. And as he had written so many epistles to so many individuals and to so many churches, he had one last epistle he needed to write. And this was the second epistle to Timothy. He calls Timothy... Uh, his beloved son in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. And so he was pleading with Timothy to come and see him because he knew that when winter came in the Mediterranean Sea, you could not travel because of the storms. He was in Rome. He wanted Timothy to come and visit him. We never know what happened. We'll never know until we get to heaven what happened. Did Timothy come before winter? Because we do know that sometime in the winter of that year, They took Paul out and they beheaded him for the cause of Christ. They could not crucify him because he was a Roman citizen, but the emperor, probably Nero, had Paul beheaded for the cause of Christ. And so the last words to Timothy from Paul were these words. And the poignant cry of come before winter reminds us of how brief not just time is, but how brief life is. I thought about life this week. I've been kind of nostalgic all week because of what happened on Friday, November 22nd, 1963. Those of us who were alive then, I was a 15-year-old sophomore in high school. I was sitting in a science class at Banks High School when Mr. Gann came on the intercom and said the president has been shot in Dallas. A few minutes later, he came back and said the president has died. And if you were alive then, you'll never forget where you were that moment. Well, Shakespeare said some things about life, and here's what Shakespeare said about life. This is from Macbeth, Act 5, Scene 5, Page 2. Shakespeare says, through Macbeth, And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death, 
Out, out, brief candle, life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Now those last words are telling about what Shakespeare thought about life. A tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. This past week as I watched some of the videos that were taken when... President Kennedy made his trip to Dallas. I did not realize, if I knew it then, I did not realize it, that these were the last, some of the last words he ever said were spoken at a breakfast in Fort Worth that morning. Here's what he said. These are his actual words from the last public speech he ever gave. This is a very dangerous and uncertain world. We would like to live as we once did, but history will not permit it. The man that spoke those words was cut down by an assassin's bullet about four hours later. He did not realize how prophetic his words truly were. But I want us to look at life through the eyes of the Apostle Paul. What does he say to Timothy right before he says, come before winter? He says, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. All of us are on a journey through time. Some of us have been here longer than others. Some of you have not really thought much about time, but I want to tell you this, don't waste your time. Every now and then people say, well, I'm saving time. You can't save time. You can either use time or waste time. And that's the message of come before winter. Are there things in your life that need to be changed? Don't wait another day. You know, I love all the seasons. Being in Alabama, we have beautiful seasons. And I want to tell you this, uh, if you like summer, you'll love Alabama. Because we have about seven or eight months of summer. I know some of you say, man, it's cold outside, preacher. Well, just wait a few days. It'll probably be 80 degrees again. You won't, you won't have to worry about that much. We have long summers. And I like summers, man. I, I remember when I was younger and uh, go watch the boys play ball, play ball myself, watch Mary play ball. That was a long time ago now. Those are pleasant memories. I love summer. I love spring. I love to go out in the spring after a fresh spring rain and just smell the air. There's nothing like the air after it's been washed clean by a spring rain. I love wintertime. I really do. I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. It's easier for me uh, to get warm than it is cool. I have this natural coat of insulation that the Lord has given unto me. Uh, the Lord and Snickers have given unto me. And... Uh, I, I, I really don't get too cold. In fact, I was deer hunting yesterday and uh, sat out and had a cold north wind in, in my face, but I wasn't cold at all uh, because there were deer in the field. I was so excited about seeing all those deer. You say, did you kill one? No, I missed him. I'm sorry. But uh, I said, either he'll be lucky or I'll be lucky. Well, he was lucky, and I wasn't. But uh, uh, I, I love wintertime. I love the cold. I love it when you breathe and you can see the, the, your air uh, as you breathe out that air, you just see it crystallize. And I love to go out at night when it's wintertime and the stars are twinkling in the heavens. And they seem so much closer in the wintertime. It seems like you just reach up and, and touch them. But of all the seasons, my favorite season is fall. My favorite season is fall because, first of all, to me, it's the most beautiful season. With all the leaves turning colors. And, you know, that is God's reminder to us that time is swiftly passing. 
when those leaves start to die, they've been green for a long time, and then many of them take on those vibrant hues. And so many of us go to Tennessee to see leaves die, not realizing that leaves die right here in Alabama. And we could keep that money here, and we need it. That's not going to stop you next year. I know you're going anyway. But you know, those leaves remind us that time is swiftly passing. Fall is the most beautiful, but it is also the briefest season. And Paul is telling Timothy, if you're going to come see me, you better come now. Now, I'm not going to preach a long sermon this morning. I'm not going to really go through all these words here. I'm just going to tell you, there are things that Paul said he needed. He said, I need a cloak. Well, when it gets cold, you need a cloak. He had left his cloak. And he said, when you come see me, Timothy, bring my cloak. He said, also bring the books. Now, what were these? Books are papyrus scrolls which contained the Old Testament. And so Paul, even though he had written probably about two-thirds of the New Testament by now, wanted to see the Old Testament scrolls. So he said, Timothy, bring my cloak. I need something to be warm. Bring the Old Testament because I want to read the Old Testament. And then he said, and also bring the parchments. Now, what were parchments? Parchments were probably animal skin scrolls upon which the epistles and the gospels of the New Testament had been written. So what does Paul say? He said, I need something for my body to keep me warm. But he said, I need the word of God. I need the Old Testament. I need the New Testament. I want to read the Word of God before I die. He said, those are the things that are important to me. You know, those things ought to be important to us today. How much time do you spend reading God's Word? How much time do you spend studying God's Word? Isn't it something that this militant missionary apostle in prison about to die wants to read the Bible? There's no better book to read in your life, whether you're young, whether you're median age, whether you're an old person. No better book to read than the Bible. So he said, I need these things. And then he talks about his team. And I'm not going to go over all of these. I've listed there who these people are as best we know. Some of them are unknown except for being mentioned here in Timothy. And I want to tell you, we're a part of a team. We have been part of a team for over 34 years. Charles Parker's here today. Charles, I'm going to, I don't want to pick you out, but I'm going to recognize you today. I think you and Willard Payne are about the only survivors of the pulpit committee that brought me here. So if you don't like me, there's Charles. Go get him after the service, all right? And if you do like me, go hug his neck. And Charles, the hardest thing I've ever done was the night your daddy got killed. And I went to your mama's house, knowing when I got there, when she opened the door, I had to tell her what had happened. Charles' daddy was a, a saint of God, his mama was. My kids called them Mama and C.E. That's, that's what his grandkids called him, C.E. That he was killed by a drunk driver. In 34 and a half years, that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do, go and tell Mama her husband wasn't coming home. But we're a team. Why did you go over there and do that? We're a team. I wanted her to hear it from somebody who loved her. We're a team. We've been a team. And I want to thank you. I need to stop right now and thank you. You say, well, I hadn't been on the team all that long. Well, I thank you for being on the team. And you've heard me and my desire. My desire is to finish strong. I'm not going to just sit around biding time until May rolls around. There are mountains that I want to conquer. There are things I want us to do. There are missions that we need to be involved in. And I hope you're on the team because most of the people that Paul mentions here were team members. And I thank God for you. And you're an important part of this church. There's no unimportant member of this church. That's what come before winter means. But then there are also traitors. 
I'm thankful that of all the people he lists, there are only two people listed here, and I'm not really going to go into them, but there are two people listed here that Paul said turned against him, and he warned Timothy about them as well. You know, you're going to have that in life. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. I hope, I hope it's your desire to have a positive impact on people. And do you know the best way to have a positive impact on people is to have a positive Christ-centered attitude. I'm deter- I, I, I've learned this, that life is not so much what happens to us, but how we react to what happens to us. And I've determined I'm not going to grow old and be a bitter old man. I want to be sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. I want to be like old Uncle Buddy Robinson. He was a Nazarene. He was the first Nazarene preacher. Uncle Buddy was tongue-tied. I'm not making fun of him, but this is the way he talked. He talked like this. Sometimes people couldn't understand him because he talked like this. He went to the doctor one day, and the doctor said, Uncle Buddy, you got sugar diabetes. That's what they called it back in those days, sugar diabetes. And Uncle Buddy said, well, doctor, what does that mean? And he said, well, Uncle Buddy, it means you got too much sugar in your blood. Your blood's too sweet. And old Uncle Buddy jumped up and said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the doctor said, Uncle Buddy, why are you praising the Lord? Because you got sugar diabetes. He said, oh, doctor, doctor. He said, I've been praying for years and years and years for the Lord to go and make me sweeter. And now he's overdone it. I want to be like old Uncle Buddy. I want to get sweeter and sweeter. I don't, I don't want people to say, well, we're glad that old grouse is gone. Have a positive influence. The negative people will come. Don't worry about them. God will take care of the negative people. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And then notice the time, and that's what I'm going to talk about. In 2 Timothy 1, 4, he says, Timothy, I'm greatly desiring to see thee. The first line of that chorus Come before winter is a plea to a beloved son. I want to see you again. Folks, there's some people you need to see. Maybe there's some people you need to see that you love. Maybe there's some people that you need to see that there's been a break in your relationship and that relationship needs to be mended now. Don't wait for another winter to come before you take care of that. He says, Timothy, I really want to see you. And then he says, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. And then in those final poignant words in verse 21, do thy diligence to come before winter. Paul knew if Timothy did not come before winter, he would be dead by the spring. He knew he would be executed. He was already ready to lay his life down. When Dr. Clarence McCartney preached this message for the first time, There was a young medical student sitting in the audience. And Dr. McCartney said, if there's something that you need to do, if somebody's done something for you and you've never expressed your appreciation, don't put it off, don't wait. Do it today. That young medical student's name was Arno Walker. And Arno Walker went back to his room. He was a student at the Medical College of Pennsylvania there in Pittsburgh. And he sat down and he thought of all the books he needed to study, thought of tests he had that week. But then he thought of what the preacher had said. He said, you know, I'm going to write my mama a letter. And he pulled a piece of paper out and wrote a letter to his mama. In fact, he was so impressed by the words of the preacher, he didn't wait till the next day to go mail it. He mailed it that very day, dropped it in in the post office box, and then went back and 
got into his studying, and he didn't think anything about it until about two weeks later when a telegram came and said, your mother is gravely ill. If you ever want to see her alive, come quickly. He got on a train and went to his mother's house. The old preacher met him at the station, took him to that little humble cottage. They say it was like a Norman Rockwell painting that day in that mother's bedroom because there was the saint of God, pale, white-headed, her face pale, ill, having trouble breathing. He walked in. He knelt down by the bed. He took her hand. And he said, Mom, I'm so glad I got here. By that time, she was too weak to even respond. She couldn't, she couldn't respond to him, couldn't speak. But they squeezed each other's hands. And he knelt by her bedside for a few, day, for a few moments. And then she breathed her last. The old doctor took his stethoscope out and put it on his heart, her heart and shook his head and started to pull the sheet up over her body. And before he did, he reached up under the pillow and pulled out that letter. And he handed that letter to Arno Walker. And he said, son, I don't know what impressed you to write this letter. But he said, this letter was the best medicine your mother had. He said, I would come in here and she'd be sick. And the medicine I was giving her was not effective. But she would take that letter and said, even in her failing eyesight, she would hold that letter up and she would look at every word that you had written. And he said, son, these spots on this letter are her tears, but they were happy tears because you had told her how much you loved her and how much she meant to you. And he said, son, whatever led you to write this letter, it was a blessing from God to your mama. He folded that letter up, put it in his pocket, attended to his mother's funeral, then went back to study at Pittsburgh. He made an appointment to go see Dr. McCartney. And he said, Dr. McCartney, I have come today to thank you for preaching that message come before winter. If you had not preached that message, I would not have written my mother, and my mother would have died without me being able to tell her how much I love her and how much she means to me. And he said, Dr. McCartney, please preach that message. And so every fall, as long as he was pastor of that church, Dr. Clarence McCartney preached that message. John Bob Riddle preached that message. Charles Carter preached that message. I have preached that message. And this is the final time I'll do it as your pastor. I'm not saying I'm not going to preach it again. But this will be the last time I preach it as your pastor. I hope you'll listen to my words and hear my heart. If there are things in your life that are not right, make them right today. If there are things in your life that you've left undone. Maybe, maybe a, a word of encouragement or kindness or, or a, an expression of appreciation to someone. Don't wait until tomorrow. Winter's coming. We don't know how much longer any of us have. Mary said, is there anything different about the sermon this year? You always try to find something to make it different. Well, wrote a song that was a little different. But I decided I would find out what happened to Dr. Arno Walker. Would you like to know what happened to Dr. Arno Walker? He died at age 49 of a heart attack. How did you find that out? On the internet. 
You say, oh, that's one of those internet rumors. No. I saw his tombstone. I saw his death certificate on the internet. The young man who wrote that letter to his mother never made it. As a medical doctor, never made it to 50 years of age. But one thing I know, he heard a message called Come Before Winter. And God used that message to change his life. I hope you'll allow God to use the message of Come Before Winter to change your life today. If you're not saved, if you've been putting off being saved, let me tell you, the Bible says now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. We're going to give an invitation. If you're not saved, you say, well, I'm a visitor here. It doesn't make any difference. If you're here and you need Jesus, you saw the blood. And that blood is the only thing that can wash my sin and your sin away. And if you've never been covered by his precious blood through faith in him as your Lord and Savior, you need to be saved today. Some of you need a church home. Some of y'all have been coming to church here for years. You've never joined the church. You say, well, now that you're leaving, you want us to join? Yeah, I do. I want you to join, all right? I want you to be a member. I love you. But I want you to be a member. Some of you need to be baptized. You've never taken that step of baptism. Some of you need to do that. Some of you have relationships that need to be mended. Some of you have letters of appreciation that need to be written or phone calls that need to be made. But winter is coming. What does God need for you to do before winter comes? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that the same urgency that led the Apostle Paul to write Timothy and to beg him to come before winter would cause us to look at our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit today and not see our lives as we think they are, but see our lives as you know they are. And Father, I pray that today, if there's someone here that's lost, they'll be saved. If there's someone that's wandered from the fold, they're out of fellowship with you, out of fellowship with the church, out of fellowship with one another. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would come to make things right. Father, if there are those here today who need to join the church or be baptized, Father, there may be some that just want to come to the altar and ask forgiveness today. They know they've been sinning and you've confronted them with their sin and now you're asking them to come and recommit themselves here at the altar. Lord, may they come in obedience to your call. And Father, we'll be careful to give Jesus the honor and glory. Father, I don't know that I'll ever preach this message again. I don't know that people here in this service will have an opportunity to respond to any other message again. Only you know that. So Father, I pray that we would do today what you want us to do before winter comes. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about First Baptist Pelham and other free resources like this one, log on to fbcpelham.org.